wasn't sure what message to preach, preach uh, tonight. I struggled, so we'll see what happens. But I, I wanted to preach about strongholds. Um, let's just read the scripture, then we'll pray, and we'll get into it. Familiar scripture. It's funny about familiar scripture. It can be so familiar that you don't fully understand this. We, we think we do, but we don't. Let's just read it. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty true God, to the pulling down of strongholds, casting down imaginations, and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, and bringing to captivity every taught to the obedience of Christ. Father God, I, I come before you. Oh Lord, I humble myself before you. I ask for your cleansing. Oh Lord, sometimes, sometimes just the mind is funny. Would you help me now to be cleansed and washed in your blood? To believe, Lord, that you're a great God and the word of God is powerful. Quicker than any two-edged sword. God, all we need is an open book. Just a humble heart. And Lord, you can do a great work. Would you help us this night? Would you help us as a church as a faithful church here in Bowen College, would you help them just to take a hold of, of God's word and be changed, be different, help me to be different as a result of even my own preaching? Because, Lord, it's not me, it's you. So please help me, Lord, tonight. Help those, help the listening ear. And I pray, Lord, you help us just to be able to understand just what the enemy is up to. We thank you for these things, and we ask this in Jesus' loving name. Amen. Let's begin, begin by saying that strongholds are something in the lives of many Christians. The Bible compares the heart to something that is very, very deep. Let's go to Jeremiah now. Jeremiah 17. nice to have a pulpit where you can put your phone you can put your notes. See, my, my pulpit is like, like this, and it's like I've got everything squeezed in there. <laughs> but it's, I'm, I'm glad for it. And I'm thankful for Hannah for making it for me. Amen. All those years ago. Jeremiah 17 and verse 9. And the Bible says, familiar scripture again, the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. And then it says, who can know it? That means this. That means we don't even know our own hearts. We think we do, but we don't. The Bible goes on to say in verse 10, I, the Lord, search the heart. I try the reins, even to give every man according to his ways and according to the fruit of his doings. It's really the Lord. It's really the Holy Spirit that's allowed to get in and pierce your heart and show you the true nature that's in there. You know, I often wonder, I often wonder, you know, when we go through the Lord's Supper, I often wonder why there isn't a greater refreshing in the church. I really do. As a pastor, I wonder, how come there's not a, a, a sense of re renewal in the church when the Lord's Supper takes place? I think one of the reasons is, is the Christian doesn't even know their own sinfulness. They don't even know where the enemy has hidden itself. And I want to talk a little bit about that tonight. Man's problem are heart problems. The Bible says in Mark chapter 7, verse 21, from out of the heart of men perceive evil thoughts, adultery, fornication, theft, covetousness, and so forth. And then it says, the heart is where the issues of life are, though. Proverbs now. Proverbs 23. Proverbs 
23, just by way of introduction. The Bible says in verse 9, Proverbs 23 and verse 9. No, that's not it. Proverbs 23. Actually, it's Proverbs 23. Um, it's verse 7, actually. For as he thinketh in his heart, so is he. Okay? So as I think in my heart, so am I. And also Proverbs 4. Just a few scriptures over, or a few pages over. Verse 23, the Bible says, Keep thy heart with all diligence, for out of it are the issues of life. So the heart, out of the issues of the heart come issues of life. The heart is compared to a fountain. And if you can imagine a deep fountain and all the issues come up out of it. And that's the depth of the heart. That's why you know I preached the message this morning about the power of the tongue in Carrigaline. And you know the, the tongue is an interesting thing. Because it says over there, if, I, if you go up to Luke chapter 6, I just want to touch on this. Maybe I'm preaching the wrong message here. <laughs> Luke chapter 6. But my point is this, that the tongue, what we say we're a mouse, is a mirror of the heart. In Luke chapter 6, and verse 45, the Bible says this, A good man, out of the good treasure of his heart, bringeth forth that which is good. An evil man, out of the evil treasure of his heart, bringeth forth that which is evil. For of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaketh. You see that? Out of the abundance. You know, I often wonder why people are sarcastic. You ever wonder why people are sarcastic? Or people don't, you know, people say something, but you're wondering, what do they really mean? See, the heart, the issues of the heart go deep, so do the words of men and women go deep. See, so often there's something meant, something, sarcasm is usually, in my experience, people who are sarcastic, they're usually bitter on the inside. So you have to be careful about what, how words are, because they reflect the heart. It can be defined as the fountain of issue uh, inside of us that produces the issues of life. It is the heart that needs to be conquered. Satan knows this as well, though. Satan knows this as well. He is a master deceiver. I mean, you think, you, you think you're clever? He is beyond anything we could. The Bible says over in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 4, it says, In whom the God of this world has blinded the minds of the believers not, lest the glorious light of Christ, whose image God should shine unto them. It says over in Revelation, if you turn over to Revelation, I want you to see this verse. Revelation chapter 12, and verse 9. And the great dragon was cast out, the old serpent called the devil and Satan, which deceiveth the whole world. He was cast out into the earth and his angels were cast out with him. He deceiveth the whole world. If he deceiveth the whole world, he deceiveth the Christian as well. Amen? He deceives the Christian. And a lot of times, the Christian doesn't even know they're being deceived. He is crafty. The Bible says over there in Second Corinthians, uh, Paul says, I marvel with the simplicity that's in Christ, that, that, that the devil is able to take people away. In Ephesians 11 as well. And he knows my history. Let me show you Job. 
Job chapter 1. Job. I'm careful not to turn to too many scriptures because... But in Job, the Bible says an interesting scripture here. In chapter 1, in verse 7, and here the Lord is talking to the devil, and he says in verse 7, And the Lord said unto Satan, Whence comest thou? Then Satan answered the Lord and said, From going to and fro in the earth, and from walking up and down in it. I wonder what he's doing. He's walking up and down. He, he knows everything about me. He's had over 5,000 years of dealing with people like me. And you will not defeat him. You will not defeat him unless you look to what the, the Word of God says. He, he is a master deceiver. He knows my history. And his strategy, a plan, is strongholds. And let me explain what a stronghold is. What do I mean by strongholds? I mean, uh, let's go into the olden days. In olden days, a stronghold was a place of security where an invading army would run to in order to be safe from attack. So it was, it was a, a place where they, the invading army would, uh, the, the, the natives of the land would run to this place so they would escape an invading army. It was a place where that was fortified so that the enemy could not conquer. So there's this place and this this uh, stronghold was a place where the enemy could not get into. And if you look around in Ireland, you see all these big uh, castles. You see places where, uh, where were set up and you will see a design that was fortified where the enemy could not get to. Even places like where you have these narrow windows and things like that, a design that the enemy could not reach. And that's what, it's, that's what the olden days, that's what a stronghold was. But what does the Bible say a stronghold is? It's simply this. Places in our heart where the enemy still hides. Places in your heart where the enemy still hides. And he's very good at hiding. He's very good at it. And he's... he's Strength, the enemy's strength is when he's undetected. He goes on and on, and you think it's normal, but he's in there. At salvation, we allow Jesus Christ, amen, to come and conquer our hearts. Go to Colossians. You know, the Lord gave me this one verse after I got saved. I don't know if, if the Lord gives, gave you a verse after you got saved, but this is the verse the Lord gave me, so I'm claiming it, amen? It's mine. And he's given me lots of other scriptures since then. But this is the verse. I remember after getting saved and reading the Bible and this, this scripture just jumping out to me. Colossians 1.13. It says this, Who had delivered us from the power of darkness and has translated us into the kingdom of his dear Son. See, God has done that for you and for me. He's, when you got saved... You surrendered, and God conquered the old man. Amen? The new man came in there, and there was a conquering. Jesus Christ was the conqueror. But, he's like an invading army that conquers in love. Amen? The old nature. 
The Bible says in 1 John 4, 4, it says, Greater is he that's in you than he that's in this world. The Holy Spirit conquers in love. See, one thing the Holy Spirit will not do, he will not force you. You understand that? The devil, he wants to force you. He will try any way to get into your life. He will try to pull the rug from underneath you. He will try to get you discouraged. He will do anything. He doesn't play by the books, uh, by the rules. But the Holy Spirit is gentle. He's the Holy Spirit. He's gentle. He's a gentle spirit that will not force his way into your life. And that's where the Christian has to be sensitive to the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit will never force his way upon you. You must yield to him. Amen? Yield not to temptation, but yield unto the Holy Spirit of God. The Holy Spirit can only work, though, where you allow him to work. You see that? The Holy Spirit can only work where you allow him to work. And that is the problem at times, because we're so... Our minds, we think we have it all sorted out, and we think we uh, we know ourselves, but we don't. And, and the reason we don't know ourselves is we haven't allowed the Holy Spirit to search our hearts the way we should, the way we should. Let me give you four things about the pulling down strongholds today. Four things. Back to Second Corinthians chapter 4 again. Four things about the pulling down the strongholds. This was originally a two-part message, so I'm trying to squeeze it into one. So, But in 2 Corinthians 10, in verse 4, I want you to look at the words carefully. It says, For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty. Then it says, True God. You see that? True God to the pulling down of strongholds. So it's not in me to pull down the strongholds. It's God that pulls down the strongholds. Amen? I cannot do it. I will fail over and over and over again. And I will continue to fail. But God, you allow the Holy Spirit of God to get in there and he will pull down that stronghold. And you will go, wow. I finally have freedom. I finally have freedom. Let me give you four things about the pulling down of strongholds. A stronghold is always rooted in a false mindset that we have, we have believed to be true. A lie, that lie is an unbelief that has fortified itself in our hearts. It will hinder you, your fate, as long as you believe it. It deflects the word of God from ever piercing your heart. Amen? Let me show you some familiar scriptures. Let's go to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. 2 Corinthians chapter 5. And I want to challenge you here. 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 17. Very familiar scripture. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. All things are passed away. Behold, see that word? All, all things are become new. You see that word? All, all means all. Everything about your old nature, everything about you, every struggle that, you, that, that old nature has pulled you into, all those things are are passed away if you truly believe the book. Amen? If you truly believe the book, really are. There's no sin a Christian should struggle with that they say, I can't defeat this enemy. There's no Goliath in your life that you cannot pull down. If you truly believe that book, the words of that book. Let me give you another familiar scripture. John 8, 32. John 8. Again, these are familiar scriptures. 
Funny thing about familiar scriptures, sometimes they're the, the ones we need the most. John 8, in verse 32, the Bible says, And ye shall know the truth, and the truth, the truth shall make you free. And then it says over there, uh, a few verses down, this in verse 36, If the Son therefore shall make you free, ye shall be free indeed. That is the truth. What you're looking in the pages of that book, you're looking into reality. You're looking into the, 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 the Word of God, the truth. And let me give you four things about strongholds, though. A stronghold... The root of that stronghold is the lie you have believed. The lie you have believed. The symptoms of that stronghold is the sin that it produces in your life. But there needs to be a pulling down of that stronghold. And you cannot pull it down. Only the Holy Spirit can pull it down. Amen? Let me give you some... Let me talk about the pulling down of strongholds. First thing you need to do is you need to recognize it as such. I call these the four R's. Some examples. Have you ever believed any of these things? Certain things about myself I cannot get the victory over. Have you ever believed that? Why even try when I fall all the time? I could really have done something for the Lord if I got saved at a younger age. Have you ever believed that? I will always struggle in this area of my life. None of us are perfect. We all fail. God could never change my circumstances that I find myself in. Wrong choices before salvation will always haunt me. I just can never seem to get the victory over, over this area in my life. Have you ever believed any of those? Think about it for a second. I'm sure we have. I'm sure there's things that the devil has told you that you believed in your subconsciousness that's gone deep into your mind that you right now currently believe. That's what a stronghold is. A stronghold is a lie that you believed. The, the symptoms of that is the sin it produces in your life. You know what the, the stronghold of the uh, children of Israel was? It was unbelief. They didn't believe God. And that was, that was the, the lie the devil told them. You've got to recognize it as such. Recognize it as such. Let me show you Proverbs 28. Proverbs 28. Proverbs 28 and verse 13. The Bible says, He that covered his sin shall not prosper, but whoso confesseth and forsaketh them shall have or, or them shall have mercy. God wants to be merciful. He's a merciful God. Amen. But you cannot sweep it under the carpet. You cannot hide it. You've got to confess it and forsake it. And then God's able to do an amazing thing in your heart. God's able to cleanse that stronghold in your life. He's able to get rid of it. And you can have freedom more than you've ever experienced in your Christian life. You can have freedom that you never thought possible. Recognize it as such. David recognized it as such. Go to Psalms. We're in Proverbs. Psalms and then Proverbs. Psalms over to the left. 51. One of the greatest prayers that David ever prayed was Psalm 51. He was backslidden for almost the course of a year. He had committed sin with Bathsheba. He had murdered Uriah the Hittite. He had covered over his sin. 
and his bones wax old inside of him. So you cannot cover over your sin. You cannot pretend it's not there. But David, when David gets real with God, he pours out this psalm. And the Bible says, I love the very second words, have mercy upon me, O God, according to thy love and kindness, according to the multitude of thy tender mercies, blot out my transgression. Wash me thoroughly from mine iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. For I acknowledge my transgression and my sin is ever before me. Against thee and thee only have I sinned and done this evil in thy sight and thou mightest be justified when thou speakest and to clear and, and be clear when thou judgest. And then he says in verse 5, Behold, I was shaped in iniquity and in sin did my curse did my mother conceive me. Behold, thou desirest truth in the inward parts and in the hidden parts thou shalt make me to know wisdom. And it goes on. But David gets real with God. David recognizes his sin. Amen? And we ought to too. We ought to as well. The hardest thing for an alcoholic is to admit they're not, they, they have a problem. That's the hardest thing. And the hardest thing at time for a Christian or for, for an addict is the same. And the same with a Christian. The stronghold remains undetected because we remain defiant that it really isn't that bad. You know, uh, you can... You can live with sin and you can justify it. You can reason it and say, it's not that bad. I mean, look at someone else. And you can compare yourself to someone else and say, well, I'm better than this brother. And you're fooling yourself because our standard is not each other. Our standard is Jesus Christ. And Jesus Christ said, be perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect. We do not bring down the standard. We raise up to the standard. Amen? Holy Spirit tries to show us the truth. And if you are honest with yourself, you know, uh, the Holy Spirit is trying to show you time and time again, this thing in your life has to go. And you don't realize this, but it's either that sin wins, it's either, it's either you win or that sin wins. A lot of times, it's serious. Of some idol in your heart, of some besetting thing that slows us down, of iniquity in our heart where the Holy Spirit wants to fill. But he can't. The Holy Spirit cannot fill it because you're not allowing him to fill it. Do you understand what I mean? It's it's where we have to yield to the Holy Spirit of God. It's not easy to pull down strongholds, but with God all things are possible. Amen? With God all things are possible. It depends sometimes how long that stronghold has been in your life. Because you could believe a lie and you could believe it. You know what an alcoholic believes? An alcoholic believes that that next drink is going to be the perfect drink. That next drink is going to cure all these thoughts of drink. That's what an alcoholic believes. That's where every addict believes. The next, the next fix. If I can just get the next fix, it'll sort it. And that's what they believe because they believe a lie from the pit of hell. And a Christian can be the same. A Christian can be the same. Satan has duped us into thinking such. You know, the more you practice your sin, the more comfortable you become with it. The more sin defiles us, the more presumptuous we become with it. It says in Psalms 19, let me show you Psalms 19, just a few pages over to the left, Psalms 19. Again, I love the heart of David. Psalms 19 and verse 12 and 13. 
It says this, Who can understand his errors? Cleanse thou me from secret faults. Keep back thy servant also from presumptuous sins. Let them not have dominion over me. Then shall I be upright, and I shall be innocent from the great transgression. But he talks about their presumptuous, presumptuous sins. Some sins you presume are, are okay. You know, God, God's put up with me so long. Do you know why God doesn't wipe us, doesn't strike us dead? His mercy. Amen? God's merciful. Do you know why God hasn't, you know, if you can imagine this, let me show you some scriptures. Let's go to Psalms chapter 11. So Psalms 7, verse 11. God at this very moment. Psalms 7, verse 11. The Bible says this about God. God judges the righteous and God is angry with the wicked every day. Could you imagine? I mean, I spent my last week and I had some upsets with my kids because I was minding my kids. And you know, my kids can push buttons in me that I never knew were there. I mean, my kids are able to do things. It's just, it's just when the stress level goes up, when the pressure goes up, the real me comes out. And it's not a pretty sight, I can tell you that. But, there, there, there's something about about pressure and the way when it's put on you. And, you know, when God looks at this world, when he sees all the wickedness going on in this world, yet he's very, very merciful. His mercy, the Bible says, is new each day. And think about this verse. Go over to Second Peter. Second Peter. Think about this verse. You know, there's all kinds of scoffers out there. There's all kinds of people, and they think, you know, well, God hasn't come back, and, you know, God, God, all, all these things going on in the world. But the Bible just says over this in Second Peter chapter 3, and the Bible says in verse 9, the Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some men count slackness, but is long-suffering. To, to us words, not willing that any should perish, but all should come to repentance. That's God's mercy. Amen? God's mercy. God is holding back judgment on this world because God is a merciful, merciful, merciful God. Merciful. And that's what is so good about a loving God. Satan has duped us into thinking, though, that we can presume to live in our sin. As soon as we believe that, we believe a life in the pit of hell. We really do. We, we, we believe a life in the pit of hell. You must acknowledge that you have a stronghold in your life. You must acknowledge it. You must say, listen, the Bible, the Bible says one thing, and if, if I'm living in a different, in accordance, in a wrong way, deep and down inside, I know, I, I know it. And I can never have peace with God until all on the altar is laid. You can never have peace with God. You've got to recognize it as such. Second or is you've got to renounce it. I love biblical words. Second Corinthians chapter, Second Corinthians. Chapter four. Bible says in verse two, we have renounced the hidden things of dishonesty, not walking in craftiness, nor handling the word of God deceitfully, but by the manifestation of the truth, commending our conscience, commending ourselves to every man's conscience in the sight of God. Think about that verse. Uh, 
a, a Christian, in order to get real with God, you've got to renounce certain things. You've got to say, that's, that's evil. That ought not to be in my life. That's going to that's gonna cause me to stumble. That's going to slow down my Christian walk. That's going to cause me to never have the victory. And certain things have to go, really do, in the Christian life. You will never get the victory over a stronghold unless you really begin to hate that sin. Do you hate your sin? I mean, do you really hate your sin? Or do you love your sin? You know, Satan, Satan, Satan's lie is that you can have you can have pleasure, but it's only for a season. It's not something long-term. But if a Christian really, really hates their sin, and say, that thing in my life, it has to go. I love Jesus, I love Jesus, and I love him so much that I'm going to give up this sin. Do you love Jesus enough to give up your sin? Do you really do? Do you really love Jesus enough in order to give up the sin that you struggle with? Because you know what? You will have a refreshment. You will have a renewal of the Holy Spirit like you've never experienced. We will have revival in this church if each of us could conquer our individual sins. We would have revival. As believers, we're supposed to think like Jesus. Let me show you how Jesus taught. Let's go to Hebrews chapter 1. Hebrews 1, and the Bible says in, I think you were referring to this earlier on, Dan, verse 9, this is is the mind of Jesus here. Thou hast loved righteousness and hated iniquity. Therefore God, even thy God, had anointed thee with the oil of gladness above thy fellows. You know, uh, the Bible says over there in Psalms as well, Psalms, I'm not sure where, but it says, they that love the Lord hate evil. They that love the Lord, Psalm 97, says they that love the Lord hate evil. If we really love the Lord, we're going to hate certain things and we're going to love certain things, amen? You can't stand in the middle. You can't have one foot in the world and one foot in, in church. It doesn't work like that. It doesn't work like that. You've got to decide, make a, a choice in your life. Say, I have decided to follow Jesus. No turning back. No turning back. Though no one go with me, still I will follow. Because I've decided to follow Jesus. Amen? If your sin is fortified in your heart, then the Holy Spirit cannot cleanse it. Think about that for a second. If there's a lie that's deeply in there, if it's something that's fortified, then even though the Holy Spirit wants to cleanse you of it, he can't because you've got to allow him access in there. You must desire freedom. You must desire freedom. Freedom is something you must desire. Listen, the strength of the stronghold is found in unbelief. Let me show you how Satan separated mankind from God. Go to Genesis chapter 3. He did it in a lie. And that lie is still how he works today. Genesis chapter 3 and verse 1, the Bible says, Now the serpent was more subtle than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said unto the woman, Yea, had God said, Ye shall not eat of every tree of the garden. He just lies. 
he goes, he goes, yay, a positive expression. And then he says, yay, had God really said that? You know what you do when, 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 you, when you have a habitual sinful nature? You're not believing the book. You're believing a lie. Just like the old serpent did. In Psalm 78, it talks about the children of Israel in the wilderness. And it says, in unbelief, they turn back the Holy One from Israel. The lie that you have believed must be overthrown. The lie must be overthrown. You must truly hate that sin. You've got to hate that sin. Because then, and only then, can you have the victory. You must really want that victory. You must, as the Bible says over there in Revelation, you must, talking about the, the, um, the Laodicean church, it says you must repent. You must turn away from it. You must make a conscious decision to walk with him. So how do we really hate your sin? Allow the Holy Spirit to show you how vile your sin is. Only the Holy Spirit can show you that. Listen, you know, it's amazing. It's amazing. You can't. Man cannot show you it. I, I cannot put up pictures and show you how vile sin is. I couldn't do that. Only the Holy Spirit can show you it. Only the Holy Spirit. And he will show you it if you allow him. Do you know how when you got saved, you saw yourself as God saw you? Just like Isaiah chapter 6, you saw yourself before God, just like Isaiah saw himself as a righteous, as humanly speaking, a righteous man. He saw himself before God. He says, woe is me. I am become undone. I am a man of unclean lips. I dwell in the midst of people of unclean lips. You become undone when you see the holiness of God. And you know, what was wonderful about the time where I got saved is I began to see myself as God saw me. And when I saw myself as God saw me, I didn't like who I saw. Uh, God was able to show me myself. It was almost like looking in a mirror. And then I realized just the holy, the holiness of God that would reach down for a sinner like me. God is a merciful God. Amen? Allow the Word of God to do its work. I like Jeremiah. Let me just show you it. Jeremiah chapter 23. Jeremiah 23. you got to believe this about the Word of God. Because the Word of God is powerful. Jeremiah 23 and verse 29. The Bible says, Is not my word like a fire, said the Lord, and like a hammer, the brick of the rock in pieces. God's word is powerful. The word of God getting into you, the word of God getting a hold of you, the Holy Spirit using that word in your life is powerful. The word of God can bring down any strongholds if you allow it. Renounce it. The second one is replace it. Replace it. You know, you can't get the victory over your sin by simply saying, I'm not going to sin, I'm not going to sin, I'm not going to sin, I'm not going to sin. It doesn't work like that. You've got to replace it. You've got to replace that habitual nature. Let me show you 1 Corinthians chapter 16. 1 Corinthians 16, and the Bible says in verse 15, it says, I beseech you, brethren, you know the house of Stephanus, that is 
the first fruits of Achaia, and that they have addicted themselves to the ministry of the saints. An addiction, a good addiction. Wouldn't it be good to have a good addiction? A proper addiction? Wouldn't it be good if I couldn't stay away from church? Wouldn't it be good if I just couldn't do without God's Word? You know, uh, I, I think if, if you don't read God's Word in a 24-hour period, this is my humble opinion, I believe if you, if you don't read God's Word in a 24-hour period, you're backslidden. I truly believe that. I believe God's Word is that important. If it, if it was important in the Old Testament, Deuteronomy chapter 8, where it talks about that the manna came down and, and they would partake of the manna and they would eat it, and then Jesus in the New Testament compares manna to the Word of God. And he says, man shall not live by bread alone, but every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. So if, you don't, if you're not picking up your Bible in a 24-hour period, and sometimes I, I just get it in within the 24-hour period, but if I don't pick it up, oh, listen, I, I'm backslidden. I'm like, uh, you know, you look at that verse earlier on, love not the world. You naturally will love the world if you're not in the book. You're not, it's natural. It's natural to... Uh, be magnetized to this world if you don't get transformed by the renewing of your mind. You naturally will just go that way. Just like a mat to the flame. It's just the way it is. That new nature is a nature that will help you. You've got to replace it. The fruit of the Spirit is designed to counteract the works of the flesh. You know there's 18 works of the flesh and there's 9 fruits of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, and temperance. And you know what? When you're dealing, this week I was dealing with my kids, you need the fruit of the Spirit. And I didn't have it, but you need it. That's all I can say. You need long-suffering. You need that. You really do need that with kids. But God bless them. They're, they're, they're a work in progress. I always say about my kids, they're a work in progress. But sometimes they're more work than progress. Let me show you what the Bible says in Galatians. We have... Brethren, we have a new nature. We have a new nature, and we ought to live in it. Amen? The old nature can never please God. The old man will fail you. The Bible says this, A believer's simple walk with God is powerful. Galatians 5 and verse 16, the Bible says, This I say then, walk in the Spirit, capital S, Holy Spirit, and you shall not fill the lust of the flesh. I mean, that alone is powerful. Because if you simply walk in the Spirit, you cannot, it's impossible, to fulfill the lust of the flesh. Do you know that? You've got to stop walking in the Spirit so that you can, you can fulfill the old nature. It's impossible. Let me show you another one. 1 John chapter 3. 1 John chapter 3. Again, the only way I believe to understand this verse is to take it literally. 1 John chapter 3, verse 9. Whosoever is born of God doth not commit sin. For his seed remaineth in him, and he cannot sin because he is born of God. You see that? So I have the old nature. The old nature will fail me every single time. The new nature will never fail you. The new nature will never fail you. That's why if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. Behold, or all things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. He will never fail you. And that's why over there in 1 John chapter 5, verse 4, it says, But whatsoever, this is our memory verse in Carrigaline, But whatsoever is born of God overcometh this world, and this is the victory that overcometh the world, even our faith. The new man in Christ. Amen? 
The old man will fail you every single time. When you replace sin with righteousness. Amen? Let me show you Ephesians also. Ephesians. Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 28. Notice what it says here. Let him that stole steal no more, but rather let him labor working with his hands the things which is good that he may have he may have to give to him that need it. And the idea of his hands were used to steal, and this is the application I get out of it, his hands were used to steal, but now his hands are to be used for something else. You see, you've got to, instead of, instead of trying to give up something, you've got to replace it. You've got to replace it instead. You can't just give up sin. You've got to get yourself in church. You've got to get yourself in the book. Amen? Because that sin will creep back in there unless you're careful. Now Christianity is unfeigned. I love, you know, I love that word, unfeigned. It, it's no pretense. It says over there in, uh, you know, there's too much pretenders that goes on within Christianity. First Peter chapter 1 and verse 22, it says, Seeing ye have purified your souls in obeying the truth through the Spirit unto unfeigned love of the brethren, see that ye love one another with a pure heart fervently. That's what real Christianity is all about. Amen? Redeem the time. Ephesians chapter 5, just one last point. Ephesians chapter 5, redeem the time. I'm so glad that the Lord is able to, just like Samson, you know, Samson is recorded in the book of Hebrews, but if you look at the life of Samson, he lived a selfish life most of his life. But then he got right in the last part of his life. When he was between those pillars and he pushed one last time and he asked God, he humbled himself that one last time. And the Bible says he, he was a man of faith at the end of his life. And that's, that's, you know, I'm so glad that God is like that. But if he, Ephesians 5, in verse 15 says this, See then that he walk circumcision, or no, circumspectly, sorry, not as fools, but as wise. Redeeming the time because the days are evil. Redeem the time. You know, while there's still time, you know, Jesus could come back at any moment. Uh, there's so many things going on in this, in this world right now. I'm surprised the Lord hasn't come back. But the only, the only thing I can put it out to is his long suffering to this world. And he doesn't want anyone to perish. It's the love of God. You can never turn back the clock, but you can redeem the future. Amen? Live for God each day as it was the last. I mean, if you really woke up in the morning and said, Lord, I yield myself to you this night. I pray that I would just do what you say. Uh, everything I would, that would come out of my mouth would be what you'd want me to say, that I would just yield to you this very, very day. Make each day count. I mean, make each day count. You got 24 hours in a day, make it count. I mean, just do something just for Jesus. Amen? Just do something for, tell him that you love him each day, because time is short. 
I believe the rapture is right around the corner. I believe we're in those days where the church will be raptured and we will fly away. Amen? We will fly away. And I'm so glad that God is a perfect plan. I'm not worried about all the stuff that's going on in this world. I sleep easy in my bed at night. Honestly, because I believe the church is God's bride. I believe God is a perfect plan to bring us home. Tell him that you love him, though. Tell him that you love him. Ask the Lord to keep you away from that evil. Isn't that the Lord's Prayer? Let me just show you one or two last scriptures. Go to Matthew chapter 6, please. Isn't it a good thing when you pray, you get alone with God, that you, you just say, Lord, keep me away from that evil. Matthew chapter 6 and verse 13. And Jesus' model prayer says here, And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen. Lead us not into temptation. The Lord is, the Lord wants to, to do a work in our lives. Uh, ask Him, uh, do something just for Jesus. Just, just for, just for Jesus alone. With a motive that is, that wants nothing in return. Amen? Let me just give you a conclusion. Man's problems are all heart problems. Listen, every, every conflict that you have, it's the heart that is the issue. You've got to understand it's not the head, it's the heart. There's something going on in the heart that's not right. Usually, when you're upset with, with mankind or the horizontal relationship, there's something wrong with the vertical relationship as well. It's just the way it is. And God's trying to get your attention. He's trying to say, you need to talk to me. Satan knows that and capitalizes on it. We're dealing with a mass receiver, the second most powerful being in the universe. You cannot defeat him on your own. You've got to ask God, and you've got to humble yourself. And the Bible says, draw nigh to God, and he will draw nigh to you. Amen? He conquers mankind by building up strongholds. And even on the unsaved, the unsaved lives. You know, uh, a lot of a lot of people, uh, unsaved people, will never entertain the idea of being born again because they're being brainwashed by the television and brainwashed by programs to say that they're all a bunch of hypocrites. And you know, before I got saved, I actually believed that, you know, Christians were all a bunch of hypocrites anyway because uh, I, I used to listen to televangelism and I, I would see all the fakes that, that uh, I think of one name, Robert Tilton, and before I was saved, I would, I would look at this guy, I would go, this guy's a fake. I mean, as an unsaved guy, I could see this guy was, was just a con artist. But then you know what? The Lord even showed me that even, even though there's all these, 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 uh, fakes out there, there is, there, there is a, there's a genuine article. And that's what I realized. There, 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 just like there's a fake, fake counterfeit money, there's a genuine article out there as well. The Lord, the Holy Spirit even showed me through all that, that there still was a God in heaven that loved me. In our case, it is the conquering Holy Spirit that wants to bring us into liberty. Let me show you 2 Corinthians chapter 3. Only a few more scriptures and we'll be finished. 2 Corinthians chapter 3. The Bible says in verse 17, Now, the Lord is that Spirit. Again, capital S. And where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. Freedom! You know, uh, the one thing I love about church, about independent Baptist churches, is the liberty, the freedom that we have. Because we're all trying to deal with our sin. Amen? 
We're all struggling. We're trying to get the victory. And you know, when people are honest and people are humble before God, the Holy Spirit comes and dwells in the midst of us. Even though we're all a bunch of sinners, still the Holy Spirit comes and dwells among us. Because he, he, he draws nigh to the, to the contrite, to the humble. And the Holy Spirit, and I always want to, as an individual, I want to have liberty. I don't want to be snared by the devil. I don't want to have some stronghold in my life hold me back. I want to have the freedom. I want to have liberty completely. Four things about the pulling down strongholds. Again, these are the four R's. Recognize it. Renounce it. Hate your sin. You really got to hate your sin. And it's not until you get to really hate your sin that you will... It's not until that point until you'll get the victory. Replace it. Don't just give up your sin. Replace it with something else. Replace it with the Word of God. Amen? Replace it with an addiction to God's Word where you cannot keep your hands away from God's Word. Replace it with an addiction to, to being in church where you just... There's something about church where it's just... Uh, you know, it's, it's amazing. Uh, when I'm in church, when I sing those hymns, I'm almost in heaven. I'm almost in heaven. Some of those hymns, when we sing them, and I hear there's just some words that that are in there. Uh, there was one earlier on, and it just it just I just felt like shouting. You know, they're just like, I'm almost in heaven when I when I just I'm addicted to those hymns. You could put on the radio. You know what the radio is for for me? It's like noise. It's like noise. This irritating, this irritating noise in the background. And I'm like, turn that thing off. And, and you know what, what's happening? God has changed my nature. The, the, the new nature wants the hymns. It wants spiritual songs. It wants the Word of God. It wants everything that God loves. The old nature is, is, is absolutely corrupt. And then, finally, redeem the time. Redeem the time. It is only possible because greater is he that's in you than he that's in this world. And you will, listen, you will never get the victory unless you get real with God. Humble yourself under the mighty hand of God. Draw nigh to God. He will, just in that moment, no matter what sin you're faced with, God will just wrap himself around you, just like that, when you truly draw nigh to him. Let's stand.